Hey folks, and welcome to Typology, the show in which we explore the mystery of the human personality through the lens of the Enneagram. I'm Anthony Skinner, producer of the show, and we want to thank you, our listeners, because we are over eight and a half million downloads as a podcast. So thank you all so much. We appreciate you listening. We appreciate you sharing. Thank you so much. And hey, by the way, we're thrilled to announce that we are taking Typology Podcast on the road. That's right. Ian and myself will be doing the first ever live recording of Typology at the Balboa Theater in San Diego on March 21st, 2020. It's going to be a really fun night, some surprise guests, some music. We're going to announce those people soon. So make sure you go and get your tickets at typologypodcast.com. That's T-Y-P-O-L-O-G-Y podcast.com. Hey, today we're going to continue our interview with Jenny Allen. Jenny is the founder and visionary behind the well-known IF Gathering. Jenny is a sought-after speaker. She's taught at the Q Conference, Catalyst, and Women of Faith. She's the author of several books, including Restless, Anything, and Nothing to Prove. And of course, her brand new book, Get Out of Your Head, Stopping the Spiral of Toxic Thoughts, just released January 28th. She also hosts the podcast Made for This. We're excited to have part two of our two-part interview to share with you today. So let's get on with it. That's it for me, Anthony Skinner. Let's pick up with Ian and Jenny Allen as they discuss toxic thoughts. Now here's the host of our show, Ian Cron. So I, I back to these toxic thoughts that I think sevens yeah. have. I was sort of thinking about this this morning, like, okay, well, what are some of the toxic thoughts sevens have? See if you relate to any of these. One is, I have to get out of the present moment. Yes. Uh, because the present moment, there's a, the, there's a, you know, there's a feeling like if I stay in the present moment, I'm going to get stuck. Uh, I'm, uh, I might have to face things about myself or feelings or circumstances I really don't want to look at. So let me get into the future where there's just, it, it's more of a blue sky than a room with four walls, right? Oh, oh yeah. I mean, they had to put all my meetings in one day because I always was like, oh, I, sorry, I've got to go do this. I've got to go do this. Like I just couldn't, be still and like be and deal with the problems and to, to really like hear the finances. <laughs> so they just kind of had to sit me down in a chair and be like, you're not getting up for six hours because you've got to get through this. Yes. And, and I do, I think it's partly just my attention. I mean, I, I want to be present. I want to be, I just don't know. Sometimes I don't know how to access that. Okay. So I think another toxic thought is the next moment contains everything the current one lacks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, see, now you're turning it to therapy. We'll darn that. <laughs> we'll darn it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How's this one? I'd be, I'd be happy if others gave me what I wanted. Say that one again. I'd be happy if others gave me what I wanted or allowed me to do what I wanted. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Freedom is my favorite love language. <laughs> freedom is just another word for nothing left to lose. Yeah. That's kind of a seventh line right there. Uh, how about this one? I will never be satisfied or content, but I'll always maybe feel a little deprived. Oh, I'm scared of that. Oh my gosh, you need to listen to my book titles. You're going to laugh so hard. You ready? Yes. My first Bible study was called Stuck. <laughs> oh, oh, Ian. Oh, just wait. My next Bible study is called Chase. 
<laughs> Keep now, going. You just wait. Just wait. The next one was called Restless. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yeah, keep going. I'm this is the best day. This is the best moment of my entire day. Okay, and then the next one was nothing to prove, which was really accessing my 3 because I still do have like those yeah. approval <clears throat> themes in sure. my life. And then of course this one is get out of your head. So, um yeah, I think I might be a 7. Yeah, let's let's close in <laughs> prayer actually. <laughs> let's take a collection and close in prayer. Oh my gosh. And here's the last one and I think it's important for 7s to know this. Um, I think another toxic thought that sevens have is fulfillment and contentment lie somewhere outside of me, not on the inside. Oh, I mean, I, I would, I would say I live as if I believe that. I don't know that, like when you say that, I go, no, that's not true. You know, like my, my mind and my psyche knows that's not true, but I think. I li- my, my actions would say, I believe that. Mm. All right. So let's jump back to the book. What are the, I, I know you have sort of a, a compendium of uh, what I would call errant, but taken for granted beliefs, right? That, that people have toxic uh, kinds of, of, of thoughts. What are they? Just, just kind of give us a, a precis of the book uh, so that folks know what it's about. Okay. So I saw a disconnect between where I live, which is in Christendom and the church and science. And that bothered me mm. because I, I saw in myself a huge problem. Science would tell us we have 9,000 to 60,000 thoughts in a day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm definitely on the 60,000 yes. wavelength. Yeah, more, maybe and more so, like 120,000. Right. Yeah, I know. that's what my husband says. He's like, honey, I know you don't have a lot of neuro background in this, and I don't know what you're claiming as your expertise, but I can tell you as your husband, you have more thoughts than any human on earth. <laughs> like you have more thoughts than any other human. So that can be your expertise. And I was like, yes, I feel that way. So Um, so 9,000 to 60,000 thoughts in our heads a day. And I lived as if I was a victim to my thoughts rather Mm. than realizing I had power over them. Mm. Now, if you're familiar at all with the Bible, there are several parts of the Bible that are very clear about us having power over our thoughts, but I didn't hear that talked about. And, And I know it is out there somewhere. I'm not saying it's never talked about, but I'm just saying I hadn't heard it very often from church. I just, I somehow I'd miss that belief. And as I've talked to other people about it, they didn't know that either, that they had power over their thoughts. And, and when you look throughout science, which I did, it is so clear that we can redirect our thoughts. And I'm not talking about mental illness and chemical imbalance. That's not what I'm talking about because the church has done a lousy job with that. And, and, you know, medicine and counseling and all that has its very important purpose. I'm talking about just our daily regular thoughts. 70% science taught me is negative in the average human. Um, our thoughts are 70% negative and 85% repetitive from the day before. Mm-hmm. So that means we are thinking the same toxic thoughts daily again and again and again. And so this bothered me. And I, I really did. I went into just research mode of why is this and how can it change? And it absolutely can change. That was the great hope of the work was just, I've seen it for myself. Um, I've seen where I did not spiral. I was spiraling for 18 months in a season of really kind of very tied to my seven, but a season of a fear of death and of doubt. And it just grew and it was the middle of the night for me. 
and I would wake up every single night and it just started to grow and I never told anybody about it and it went on for 18 months. And so it definitely, if you do that, if you think about something over and over and over again, it's going to grow in you and it's going to really produce, um, you know, what I would call a stronghold, you know, where it, it really has, has power over you. And, and that's really where I got. And so I saw that change though. I saw with, you know, with help, I saw that change. And so what are those toxic thoughts? I think they're different for different people, but how I approached it in the book was seven enemies of our minds that I see specifically in our generation. So I did everything from noise to cynicism, to victimhood, to discontentment and, and anxiety. Um, we just, I took these big themes that I see kind of coming for us in our generation. Cause I do think we can't deny the fact that we live in a unique generation. And while our problems, you can see them date back to, you know, Roman times, you can see them throughout history. Uh, they are uniquely, um, let's just be honest. I mean, this is the loudest generation in history. So there are going to be unique challenges to that. And just even to our thought lives of what we think about and how we think about it. Mm, that is so good. Like you, I've read a lot of books, uh, uh, the current, the, you know, so the current research on, uh, you know, neuroplasticity on uh, positive psychology, you know, just a whole host of things. And it's interesting to me how the church often calls sin what really is just neurological problems. You know what I'm saying? Like, in, in, in other words, it's like, oh, you shouldn't have that thought. No, it's actually it's actually grooved into my neural pathway and I just have to figure out because there are thoughts I've had for many, many years that I would empty my bank account to get rid of. Right. Absolutely. And absolutely. So, so every time yeah. you told me bad dog, you're a sinner for having thoughts, uh, like, you know, like for me, like if I had to give you a hidden broken thought that I have, right. It would be like, I've had a lifelong struggle with self-esteem. Now people wouldn't know that to look at me, but that's one of those hidden thoughts that somehow or another, I am more, uh, broken and flawed and that there's something wrong with me that I'll never fit in. I will never belong. I'm not worthy. And, and I just wanted to, you know, when I found out, Oh, guess what? That's actually just a childhood message you have carried with you into adulthood mm -hmm. that, you know, lather, rinse and repeat time. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And well, I got the shame out think, of it. Yeah. I think that's where for me it is there's an answer, right? Like we're able to, I have great hope that I give people because that shame is, which we all have. I mean, and I'll, it's so interesting because I'll go to rooms of women and I'll be speaking and I'll ask questions to like even rooms of thousands of women. I'll just ask casual questions and I'll have people raise their hands and I'll ask what they struggle with. And, and on almost, you know, loneliness. Oh, majority of the room. It's heartbreaking. Um, anxiety, majority of the room. Um, and then you get to like deeper things and, you know, third of the room, half the room. But specifically when I think of shame, nobody raises their hand. Oh. Isn't that interesting? And most of the room raised their hand on things that were absolutely tied to shame. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? It wasn't, it's not confusing to me that the reason we're lonely is because we struggle with shame. And so I feel like you're right. Like there's this layer over our problems that that I think keeps us from having relationships that keeps us from interacting with God in the way that we could receive grace for that shame. Um, that, 
that we hide, you know, and, and that just goes back to the beginning of, you know, the Bible, which I believe in. And so, you know, they, they hid what they do when they messed up, they hid. And so I do think that that pattern of shame for us is it's the worst kind of toxic lie, right? Because it's the thing, it's what, it's what happened to me for 18 months where I didn't seek help. I didn't say it out loud. I didn't bring it into the light. And so there was nobody to help me. There was nobody to help me tell me truth. There was nobody to say, Jenny, you actually have a, have a ton of faith. Like I've watched you live. Like you're not just saying that you have faith. You're not fake about it. Cause I can't handle that. I never want to be that. So I mean, for crying out loud, like I, I literally preach faith. So to, to, to be someone that in the middle of the night for 18 months is doubting if there's a God, it was, it was, it was full of shame for sure. And so when, when I began to like say it out loud, I think that's the power of what I can, I hope this book does for people is it actually gives them really clear tools Mm. of like, this doesn't, you can, you can, when you see and start to notice your thinking and your thoughts, then you can name them like you just did because you're good because you have your, your therapist and you deal with it and you're four and like, good job. Like, you know, it can name it. But most people, they don't even know what they're thinking about. They don't know that they've been thinking negative Mm -hmm. thoughts repetitively for 10 years. Mm -hmm. Um, and so when they start to notice them and you start to write them down and you start to tell people like, this is what I think about, you realize one, that you're not alone, that everyone's insecure. Like everything you just said, everybody just exhaled when you said it, Ian, because you know, you are intimidating. No offense. I'm sorry. I was scared to get on. Like, not because you're, um, you know, I just, you're successful and you know, you've got an aura like <laughs> continue <laughs> You're intimidating. and so like when you said that I didn't expect you to say that and and yet everyone listening exhaled because we all feel it we all feel it I think even the most confident ones of us feel it because we're probably what what would you say overcompensating you're a therapist <laughs> sometimes yeah sometimes um I, I guess the thing I would say to every type that I think is important, and I think it's a very important message of your books. First, is human beings secrete thoughts the way that they secrete enzymes. You cannot stop them. And the second thing I would tell them is, we tend to give too much power to thought because we assume that just because we think it, it's true. Right. And When I would say, based on the research, just because we think it, it's probably false. Like most of our thoughts are actually rooted in fear. They're rooted in shame. They're rooted in insecurity. They're not rooted in truth. And so I think that's what I've probably held on to the most. And where I think faith can provide such a help in this is that there is truth. And if you if you find that truth and you can hold to that truth, it helps you not sway. Like that's the thing that I had to realize when I voiced it out loud, what my friend, and if you haven't had Ann Voskamp on, you need to have Ann Voskamp on. She's the one that kind of called it out of me. When I told her and kind of said, this is where I've been. Oh, she got like fighting mad. And she was like, no, Jenny, this is not, you know, you have faith. Like she started speaking truth immediately over me. And, and it was the first time in 18 months I had a defense, you know, I'd sat in the dark and believe lies for so long. And I think that's where so many people are. And it really made me mad, which is why I wrote the book. I, after I walked through that season, I started looking around and I saw it. I was like, oh my gosh, everybody's thinking these negative thoughts all day long. And it's drilling into their head and it's truly changing their, their, their chemistry. It's changing the, the way their brain works. But just like 
those lies are changing it. The truth can change it too. Mm. And so, yeah, it's, we got to fight for it though. It's not going to just, we're not going to all of a sudden wake up and, and tend towards positivity yeah. <laughs> or towards truth, towards truth. So I was just, so, so maybe here's a, uh, an axiom or a mantra, if you will, that, that people of all types can hold on to is, which is just because you think it doesn't make it true. Mm, yeah. Right. Uh, and, but people don't tend to stop, observe, and then interrogate their thought process. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And that's what I hope happens in the book and why it's a book and not a pamphlet, right? Because it's a process. You've got to go, it starts with understanding your thoughts and then you've got to take those thoughts. And I actually have a, a tool that I built um, and it's on my website. It's free. It's, it's called the anxious thoughts guide. And it's, um, it's, I, it helps you like take a thought and go, is it true? Like, it, is this true? And you know what? Some of them are, I mean, some people are facing scary, hard things. Like for me, I was afraid sending my son to college. I had to chase down what is it that I'm so afraid of. And it was ultimately like he's such a great kid. But I thought, oh, if he makes this bad decision and then this bad decision and then this bad decision, he'll be in prison. You know, (laughs) I chased down all of my good kid was like going to prison. And I had to say, my son going to prison, is that true? And and of course, some people would have to say yes, like their kid is in prison and and you can't escape the hardships. And there's some things that are are so hard and and you're you're fixated on something that is true and yet what is true about it and and for me it was like you know what okay so he goes to prison you know is it would we survive would we all survive would he survive would i survive yes and i'm like i do ministry so i'm like we'll just go do prison ministry together you know like i could i could play it forward and realize like we're going to be okay and and even that thing that may be true that you're fixated on there is a storyline and a world that that contains hope for it. And, and I think that's what I hope people feel is like, you know what, even if the worst happens, I think it's so awesome. My mind doesn't have to become toxic. Yeah. And I love the fact that a a seven on the Enneagram has something called the anxious thought guide because you are in the fear trial. Right. Right. (laughs) Who could better write about anxiety than, than a five, six or, or a seven on the Enneagram. So on this, I did not know I was in the fear triad. Okay. I forgot that at least. Oh yeah. I need to see you have, you have solved so much for me. So let's just for the sake of our, our listeners, right? Let me just run through very quickly. I think the toxic thoughts of all nine types. Okay, and I'm just going to give single sentences. Okay. I'm not saying, because I just wrote them down here. I, I don't want you all to think, as I kind of go through these, that this is necessarily the dominant sort of uh, thought that's toxic in your life. But I think I'll be close on some of them. But I think these are fairly typical of all nine. So for ones, it, um, <clears throat> I'm not good, and it's not okay to make mistakes. For, yeah. for twos, it's I can't be loved uh, for who I am. Okay. For threes, it would be people only value me for what I do, not for who I am inside. Uh, for fours, it would be I'm I'm um, more flawed and broken than other people, and uh, you know probably always on the edge of uh, uh, of abandonment at any given moment. Um, five would be that I'm inept and inadequate, and then my strategy, of course, for for feeling adequate is going to be aggregating tons and tons of knowledge. Uh, for sixes, I can't trust myself. 
For sevens, well, we spoke about it a few moments ago. I think it, it could be something uh, to the effect that more is better. Or uh, let's just stay with that one. For eights, it's going to be I'll be betrayed. And for nines, I'd say it's um, I'm just not as important as other people. And I think those are sort of nine toxic thoughts that you might look at through the lens of the Enneagram. Okay, will you come on my podcast when the book releases and do this with me? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because this is so helpful. And and I think it's helpful for me to hear the other ones because so many of those, I somebody comes to mind, right? For all of us, when you say a number, you know the person that's the one, like Jordan Perry, she comes to my mind. Of course, my daughter is a one too. She comes to my mind and poor thing has dyslexia. She's a one, you know? And so different people come to mind and I think it's so helpful to know what they're afraid of, especially mm-hmm. if it's your kids or somebody you love that you want to help process and help move forward, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I mean, I, so let's let's do it. Yeah, I mean, I, as a therapist, as a as a priest, uh, you know, I'm always telling people. I think part of my job is to help save people time. And yes, you know, uh, I think by helping people understand their fears and some of their toxic thinking, we can save them time in life by getting over things that are hindrances and obstacles to joy and to fullness. Uh, and so ah. I think that's uh, so much a, a part of our lives. I was just reading to my kids last night, uh, Anne Lamott's Bird by Bird. Yes. And she has a great little illustration where she basically breaks these voices down and as little mice puts drops them in jars and screws lids on the top yes. and turns the voice up and then turns the voice all the way down. Yeah. And uh, it's powerful. It's really powerful you know, illustration. Here's, here's something I do with, with when I used to have clients. Yeah. Right. I'd say write down your fears. Right. And mm-hmm. then I would say every time you start to have them, I want you to sing them aloud to the tune of Happy Birthday. <laughs> That's, <so good. laughs> That's amazing. You know, so if you were to think, you know, I have to have everything right now. <laughs> if I don't, my life is going to be terrible. And, and all of a sudden what happens is that it sort of begins to shrink them and yeah. you start to laugh at yeah. the fears yeah, that are old and arcane well, and don't mean anything. It's good. That's really good. Right. So I have one last question and- for you. Can I ask you one? You were going to say something. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I think that's the power of us saying it out loud. Like when I said all those fears about death and about God and like all these doubts I was having, I said them out loud and I started laughing at myself Mm. like immediately. And this had been in my, in the dark, in my head for months, but I said it out loud and I heard myself say it. And I was like, that's stupid. Mm. And I think that's the power of saying it out loud as we go, you know what? That really isn't as true as it is in my head. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so actually, yes. Happy birthday. Yeah, sing it to the team. Happy birthday! <laughs> yeah, externalizing the problem mm-hmm. is a is a is sort of a, a theme for me. Is okay. Let's actually name the problem. So sometimes when I'm talking to someone, I'll say to them, "Okay, let's name the problem." Right, and so the problem may be um, this is uh, a, a problem may be my um, I'm not worthy story, and I say to them, "Okay, let's let's actually put that on the table and talk to it." Versus continually internalizing it mm-hmm. and thinking to ourselves, it's inside me, it's got me in this grip. I'm like, no, nah, it's not. Let's just put it on the table in front of us and actually talk to it versus talk about it. Mm-hmm. Well, and that is the one line. That's People good. say, sum up your book in one line. It's this. We are in charge of our thoughts. Our thoughts are not in charge of us. Like, we need to start bossing them. We need to start saying, like, quit. And so now, like, in the middle of the night, I still will wake up a lot. 
But when I start to have those thoughts, I'm like, that's not true. Like I, I will say out loud what is true and I will fight it rather than just like let myself, cause I, you know, in the book, I call it a spiral that we just spiral into these things and those, and the spiral, it contains more than our mind. The spiral contains our emotions. It contains our behaviors. It contains our relationships that those thoughts are going to bump into your emotions. They're going to bump into your people. They're going to bump into your actions. Like our thoughts are not isolated. Like we feel like they are right, but they do come out swinging and hitting everything around us. Mm. But can I just say one thing that at least uh, something I feel that is that these thoughts uh, are not your enemy. I think if you if you just in the sense that if you treat them as though there's some kind of demonic force inside your head, you're actually investing them with power they don't have. Um, I think right. thoughts are more vaporous than they are, you know, like a, a rock. And well, it's right. And for me, it's like we give the enemy more power. Like, exactly. I think that's what I had done for all that time was we have more power over it than we think. Right. And and I think that. Though, though for me, it is, you know, I, I do think I tend to, um, I do think lies have a source. <laughs> I do. Mm-hmm. And I think the enemy loves to lie. Whether or not I think about it or listen to it is absolutely up to me, that there is not some dark force holding me captive here. Like I am able to, and I think that's, that's why I have so much hope is I actually have realize like the, the, you know, and the main theme of the book is I have a choice. Like I'm not paralyzed here. I have a choice mm-hmm. and God has given me that choice. Like I believe that my power is from God and, but I do have a choice mm-hmm. and I don't have to, um, sit in it captive as if somebody's holding me hostage. Agree a hundred percent. The other thing I'd say about thoughts, and then I want to close up is is that the thoughts also are, yes, they're invested with emotions, they're invested with all these uh, different energies, if you will. Those are all energies, actually. Not, I don't mean that in the new age sense, but they have a certain, what we call in psychology, laden charged beliefs, right? Or yeah. they're charged beliefs. Uh, and um, I think it's important to understand, too, that these thoughts uh, are also from the past, they, 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 they ha- and that's part of what makes them charged is that they're really childhood beliefs that helped you make sense of the world. But as an adult, they confuse your understanding of the world. Uh, well, right. And that you can almost see when lies started, right? Like I remember somebody, I went through like a season of healing prayer with somebody and they were like, go back to your past. And when did you, like, who were you? in your freedom. Like, what did that look like? And, and then when did you believe a lie and where did that come from? And I mean, it just took on vivid colors Mm. of like, I remember the age. And I think so much of where I am today is so much of my seven is like coming back because I remember when I lost my fun. I remember when I thought I needed to measure up to something. I remember when all of that started and I did look a lot more like a three because I was running through life, like trying to prove myself and and measure up because of lies that I received when I was a kid. So uh, you're exactly right. I mean, we are all, you know, nature versus nurture, Enneagram, where, where does that come from? Is it, are we born our numbers or does that, I don't know, but I know that it's probably a pretty strong combination of both. And, and I can see all of it. Yeah. So tucked away in my past. One thing you may want to check out, cause I think you'd be interested in it is the Eastern Orthodox have a, have a word and I'll probably mispronounce it. It's a uh, logosmoy. 
L-O-G-I-S-M-O-I. And what mm-hmm. it refers to are these in, uh, interruptive, invasive thoughts that, that come to us, right? And so the, and it comes in stages. The first stage is assault. So you have a thought that attacks the mind. Then the next stage is interaction, which is a person opens up a conversation with the Logos Moi, right? Like with the thought, right? Then the third stage is consent. A, a person consents to do or believe what the Logos Moi is telling them, right? The thought is telling them. And then the fourth one is defeat. Uh, a person becomes hostage to the thought and finds it more and more difficult to resist believing or doing. And then the last one is called obsession, right? Uh, the Logos Moyer, this thought, this errant thought, sometimes an evil thought, becomes an entrenched reality within the mind of the person. And that is mm-hmm. that, that idea is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of mm. years old. I'm always amazed at, at sometimes that's just cognitive behavioral therapy. It's like, oh my gosh, right, you know, we had right. we had that a thousand well, years ago. Mm-hmm. One of the things I realized in my research was that theology, like um, psychology, actually like was a branch off of theology. So theology was like what everyone went to school for for a long time, and then when psychology broke away, that there's been this like uh, riff kind of between the two as if they're not connected. And I'm like, wow, like now that I, I mean, I wouldn't consider myself an expert, but I have read a whole lot about psychology and interviewed a lot of psychologists and neurologists and neuro neuro behavior therapists, all different types. And I would just say they're so tied. I Mm -hmm. mean, God built our brain and God cares about our stories. Like everything you're saying, God cares about that moment that that I believe that lie and that my freedom was taken. He hates that moment, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think that's what I've found is just this, this beautiful tie that there's a master of ceremonies per se, and there's hope. And, and I, I've found that mm. and I, I feel so much more free and I go through days, not in denial because I know we could do that. I'm not saying I never do that, but that's not what I'm doing typically. But it's that those lies are not going to have power anymore. And I'm not going to just let them run wild well, in my head. Well, Jenny, I could have this conversation with you all night long, but I can't. <laughs> we don't have time. And, but I want to remind people, uh, Jenny Allen's new book, Get Out of Your Head, Stopping the Spiral of Toxic Thoughts. I think it drops on January the 20th. Am I right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So you all need to get on Amazon right now and pre-order Get Out of Your Head, Stopping the Spiral of Toxic Thoughts by Jenny Allen. I, I just can't wait for lots of people to read it. And Jenny, you are a delight. I hope we get to run into <laughs> each other again. Well, I hope so, too. And I can't wait. Let's let's talk. Let's dig deeper into that. And I'll, I'll have you over to to my show because I would love for everybody to hear that as well. So thank you, Ian. It's such a such a pleasure and privilege to be here. Awesome. And listeners of Typology, the beloved, hear the words again of Oscar Wilde. Be yourself. Everybody else is already taken. <laughs> <laughs>